And now our gospel lesson from Mark chapter 11 and 14. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that it, they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And then from Mark chapter 14, in the garden of Gethsemane. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, uh, we come this morning on this Palm Sunday and we ask that you would help us, uh, help me, uh, not to let this, this day or this week um, be just another holy week and yeah we know the stories we're we're familiar with all that happened and honestly i'm too familiar um i, I want i want the story of jesus to grip me again and i 
want the story of Jesus to grip us as your people. So would you come, Holy Spirit, no amount of words that I say can, can do that gripping, that heart gripping. Your Spirit has to come and do it. So come, Holy Spirit, grab a hold of our hearts and make us tender uh, to all that Jesus did for us because he loves us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I've been thinking a good deal this week about um, what Jesus must have been thinking and feeling as he rode that donkey down into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. Um, I've heard that the, the view as you come from the Mount of Olives to the city is incredible and I've wondered what what must he have been thinking and feeling during that time and the two words or concepts that keep coming back to my heart and mind over and over again um, as I've pondered this final leg of the journey that Jesus was taking into the city and then to the cross um, the two words that keep coming back to me are burden and bound burden and bound what do I mean by burdened um, when I think of that word I, I think of being weighed down by anxieties and concerns um, Jesus was burdened now is it right to say that Jesus was uh, anxious burdened by anxieties yeah, in fact, he said he was. We, we read it in Mark 14, and we'll, we'll see it again in a few minutes. So burdened. And then the word bound. What do I mean by that? I mean bound up, tied up, uh, restricted, hemmed in, pressed in. Um, I like the word constricted. Constricted means um, to be narrowed by an encircling pressure. So I think of a boa constrictor, that snake that wraps itself around its victim and squeezes the life out of it. Jesus was bound. So as I think about Jesus entering to, into what we now call Holy Week, I see both his burden and his binding increasing throughout the week. So just for a few minutes, let me, let me walk us through the week a little bit and I'll show you what I mean. This is what I've been meditating on this week. Palm Sunday. His burden. As I said, he comes from the Mount of Olives. He's coming toward the city. And Luke tells us that as Jesus was riding down from the Mount of Olives, uh, when he drew near the city, Luke said, he wept. He cried. The word is he lamented over the city. And he said, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Even as the crowds shouted for joy, Jesus was burdened to tears for the city, his city. He's hearing men, women, and children shout, Hosanna, and quoting Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting words that he and they knew only referred to the Messiah. 
And yet he knows that later in the week, the shouts he will hear are, Crucify! Crucify him! He's burdened. He's burdened about what's to come. On Monday, he was in the temple. Remember that scene in the temple? Jesus is flipping tables and driving out money changers with a whip. What's going on there? <laughs> um, he was not only upset that, that these folks were running a crooked business and selling inferior quality sacrificial animals at an exorbitant exchange rate. It's, it's not just that. It was also that they were doing it in the court of the Gentiles. They were filling up this space where uh, it was the only space where Gentiles could worship at the temple and worship the God of Israel. And so Jesus was burdened. His burden for his father, his, his burden was for his father's house to become a place that the nations could call home. His burden was that his father would become their father. And so now he sees that God's own people don't even care about the nations. They care about fleecing God's own sheep. And so his burden boils over into anger, righteous anger. So he's burdened. What about Jesus being bound? You know, it's Interesting, I was thinking about it this week. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He knows no bounds. He, he was unbound. He was unfettered. He was free. And yet, he chose to be bound in human flesh for us. He was wrapped and bound in swaddling cloths at his birth. And at the end of this week, we're going to remember that he would be wrapped and bound in burial cloths. His whole human life was about being bound. And now, in this last few days, the binding would constrict Jesus even more as that boa constrictor slowly, slowly squeezes the life out of him. On Tuesday and Wednesday of that week, the Pharisees were closing in the, opp the opposition grew more intense every day. They were trying to hem him in with questions that were meant to trap him, secret plots they made to capture and kill him. And on Wednesday, Judas, one of the twelve, offered the chief priests his services to betray Jesus, and they promised to pay him for it. They're closing in on him. And then we come to Thursday night. Jesus shares his last supper with his disciples, all the while knowing that Judas had already conspired with the chief priests and with Satan himself to betray Jesus. The binding gets tighter and tighter. The boa constrictor is squeezing and hemming him in. And then after supper, another burden. He tells Peter, imagine Jesus having to look in the eyes of Peter, Peter of all people, and say, you're going to deny me three times tonight. And then he looks in the eyes of all those other men sitting there with him, and he says, you will all leave me. They will strike the shepherd, 
and the sheep will scatter. Can you imagine Jesus carrying the weight of losing all of his dearest friends, all of them, in one night? They will deny him and desert him and double-cross him. All of them. So now the binding and the burden seem to be twisting together in, in a two-strand cord that is choking the life out of Jesus, compressing his heart and his mind and his body. And that brings us to the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark tells us that Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And Jesus said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He was greatly distressed, Mark says. It, it means that he was horror-struck with dread, with alarmed dismay. He was troubled. Uh, it means that he had a loathing aversion to what was about to take place. And then Jesus described himself as being very sorrowful, even to the point of death. And, and that word that Jesus uses to describe his being very sorrowful, it's a sorrow or maybe we would say a mental pain, a distress that hems him in on every side and from which there is no escape. So now, even his burdens bind him. Even his burdens bind him. The name of the garden is Gethsemane. It means olive press. It was likely a walled garden on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. And there in that garden, where olives were crushed with a stone pillar to extract their oil, Jesus' soul was being crushed under the burden of his sorrow, even to the point of dying from grief. And Luke tells us that the weight of his grief was so great that Jesus, being in agony, prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So, our Jesus was bound and burdened by an astonished agony as he prayed in the garden that night. And then came Friday. Jesus carried the burden of his own cross to the place of his execution. Jesus was bound by nails to a cross of wood. He could not move. He was bound. And he could hardly breathe. On that cross, even his lungs were constricted so that he could barely take a breath. And there, Jesus carries his greatest burden. Jesus bears the weight of our sin and the weight of his Father's just wrath against our sin. And with one breath of his constricted lungs, he cries out, My God, 
My God, why have you forsaken me? He was bound and burdened. And then his friends, after he died, took his mutilated body down from the cross and they bound him in burial clothes. I've thought about the binding and the burdens of Jesus this week as I've thought about how binding and burdensome our lives are all right now. And so I want to ask you, have you experienced the binding of these last few weeks, the constriction, the encircling pressure and narrowing of your life, the constriction of your freedoms, of your comfort, of your confines, of your relationships. I want to ask us, how can our binding, our constriction because of COVID-19 or, or whatever it is that is constricting us right now, how can our binding help us enter into and get just a little taste of the suffocating constriction of the suffering of Jesus this week? Would you, as you think about Jesus this week, would you think about how your binding is just a taste of his? And then I want to ask, have you experienced the burden of your anxieties this week? Um, it would be too simple to say that um, only those who fear the virus have anxiety. Of course, there's a fear of sickness, there's a fear of death, there's a fear of those we love getting sick and those we love dying. I had a friend text me last night and say, my mom's on the way that, to the ER with COVID-19 symptoms. Of course we fear that, but, if, but to think that that's the only thing we're anxious about in these days is just the virus and the sickness itself would be too simple. There are other anxieties. So for those who say, well, I'm not worried about getting sick. What about the anxiety of financial loss or ruin? Anxiety of losing your job. What about the anxiety and anger, that anxious anger that you feel like you're being duped by your government in the media? That anxious anger that says, this could have been avoided. Maybe that's the anxiousness, the anxiety that you feel. And then there's just the, the anxiety of caring for others. <laughs> I read a fascinating article from Rolling Stone, believe it or not, uh, this week. That, and the basic point of the article was, the reason you're exhausted is because of moral fatigue. And they went on to say that our culture's not used to being others-oriented. Our culture's not used to being concerned about how our actions affect other people's actions. And so, since we're all in this mode of helping others and caring about others and constricting ourselves for the sake of others, we're getting worn out. Well, maybe that's the anxiety you feel. So I want to ask you, how can your burdens and your anxieties this week help you get just a taste of the burdens that Jesus carried for you? 
And what do we do with all these burdens and all this binding constriction that we're feeling these days? As I've thought about this, I, I just I go back to Jesus in the garden. Pray the garden prayer. Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will. Now, I think that's a summary of his prayer. I don't think he prayed at all just that quickly. <laughs> I think there was probably a lot of Abba Father going on for a while. Then there was a lot of remove this cup from me going on for a while. And then finally, okay, not my will, but your will. Um, that's the kind of praying Jesus would invite us to pray. When he said, Abba, Father, I think he was taking his own advice from Matthew 6 that we read this morning. When, he, when Jesus said, do not be anxious about what you will wear, what you will eat. Your Heavenly Father knows you need all these things. He knows all that you need. And so he was going to his Heavenly Father and crying out, Abba, Father. And then he said, remove this cup from me. He was asking boldly for God to remove the suffering that he was about to face. Um, and when he did it, he, he grieved, he cried, he lamented. Hebrews 5, 7 said, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his, because of his reverence. So it is reverent to have loud cries and tears of lament to your father. He's not afraid of your lament. So lament. And then he said, and I think finally, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, we Presbyterians like to skip to this part of the prayer. Oh, God's sovereign, so yeah, whatever, Lord. Your will, not my will. And we don't like to linger in the lament part. Uh, we like to say that very unchristian phrase, it is what it is. Uh, Jesus would say, um, it is what it is, and it is worth grieving. Because it is not what it's supposed to be. And then we come to the submission part of not my will, but your will. Charles Spurgeon said, God is too good to be unkind and too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we can trust his heart. We must trust his heart. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he said, not my will, but yours. I can't trace your hand. I'm not sure I like where your hand is going with this, Father. But I trust your heart. And I submit. Lament and submit. Lament and submit. Lament, 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 and submit. Both of those require a trust in your Father who knows everything you need. Jesus knew Psalm 118. Jesus prayed Psalm 118, sang one, Psalm 118 every, um, 
every Passover. It was a song that was used to celebrate Passover. And um, this is the song where they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. So like every good Jew, Psalm 118 was on Jesus' heart that week. And I want to remind you, Psalm 118 begins with a cry of lament from a heart that is bound by its burdens. Verse 5, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Man, that Hebrew word distress means to be wrapped up in anxiety. Jesus cried with a lament from a heart bound by its burdens, and we should too. And then Psalm 118 ends with a cry of faith in a God who will bind the lamb of sacrifice to the altar to bear the burden of our sins. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 27 the Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. We can cry to the God who will bind the lamb of sacrifice and put the burden of our sin on him. It was the 10th day of the month, the first month of the Jewish calendar, that a family would choose the lamb that would be sacrificed for Passover. The 10th day of Nisan, the first day of the Jewish calendar, is the day they would choose a lamb that would, a few days later, be sacrificed for Passover. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan, Palm Sunday. On that day, Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the spotless lamb who was chosen by God to be slain for the sins of his people. And at the end of that week, when every family in Israel had shed the blood of their chosen lamb, Jesus, the lamb of God, was bound by nails to the altar of a cross of wood where he bore the burden of each and every one of our sins so that he would be so that he would forever free us from the binding and burden of our sins. And it's to that Jesus that we can lament what binds and burdens us today. It is to that Jesus that we can submit our bound and burdened lives with hope that the day is coming when the bonds of death, hell, and the grave will be broken. And the burden of our sin and suffering will be rolled away. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Help us to walk with him and to remember his burdens and his bonds, even as we suffer ours. We ask for Christ's sake. Amen.